Well, thank you, Shirley. If, if, if you haven't been with us through this series entitled Receive, buckle your seatbelt because I'm, I'm getting faster and faster at this whole review thing. And uh, if you've been here the whole time, I hope that maybe by now you're remembering the first sermon because you've heard it four times. Uh, if not, maybe start taking notes or something. Well, so we started off week one about how to be a good receiver, and we talked about Genesis chapter 12, right? Blessing, that, that God told Abram, I will bless you to be a blessing, but I'm going to have to call you out of your comfort zone, call you out of the things that you know. And so ultimately, it was all about uh, stewardship. And so God's saying, I will bless you, but I will bless you so that you can bless others. I will give to you so that you can give well. And so this whole series has really been about stewardship. I just didn't want to call it stewardship because then everybody would be like, oh yeah, that's, we've heard that before. So it's a, it's a series on stewardship. So then in the second week, we, we looked at the Gospel of John's account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And that how does Jesus invite her to, into this? He offers her an opportunity to give. He says, hey, can you give me a drink of water? And so we talked about, if you remember, that, that the living water that Jesus gives fills us and satisfies us and saves us. But not just so we could be saved from hell, while that is important and we believe that we are, but we're also saved for something, that we have to be good stewards of this living water and we have to share it. And so we talked about salvation. Then the following week, we talked about sanctification and, and Jesus giving the disciples power and saying, all right, you're believers, now I'm giving you power, now you got to go out and use it. You might not quite understand it, but go out and use it. I'm setting you apart. That's what sanctification means, set apart. I'm setting you apart to do this work, and I'm giving you the power, so now go do it. And then last week we talked about calling, so maybe helping you if you felt like, what? okay, if, if, if I believe that I'm filled with the Spirit, what am I supposed to do with it? What really is God calling me to do? So we talked about calling, and, and we talked about what is God calling us to as a church. Now this week, we're going to be in the Gospel of John again in chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. Uh, I did that in two minutes this time, so you're welcome. I think last week it was six. So, and that was a whole other sermon to review. So John 16, verses 5 through 11. And I invite you to stand with me as we hear the word of the Lord read this morning. Uh, we're going to go, uh, it's only about six verses. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, But now I, this is Jesus speaking, I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So Jesus here is, is talking with his disciples, and, and this is when things are starting to get a little rough. Um, but the disciples really don't understand what's about to happen, obviously, uh, because we know even up to the crucifixion, they're still questioning and hurting and what in the world is going on. 
But Jesus in this encounter right here, these six verses, is giving them a glimpse of what's going to happen. He's telling them, hey, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to go to the Father. And while they didn't understand that, Jesus thought they needed to know. And so Jesus says, and I will send a helper. And so that helper is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to come alongside and still be with the disciples even when Jesus has ascended into heaven. And what does this scripture tell us that this Spirit will do? It says that the Spirit, the Helper, will convict the world of sin. So today, we get to have a great conversation about receiving conviction. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh great, conviction. Like, I hope I wore my steel-toed boots. But I ask for the next 15, 20 minutes here, that you would just journey with me about conviction and what we believe about it. What does it mean for us to receive conviction and what does it mean for us to steward conviction? That's, that stewardship question keeps coming up and it will continue to do so. So we, I want to make a few quick distinctions here. Conviction is not condemnation. All right, so those are two very different terms. Condemnation is what happens when, when the middle school girl walks into to school on her very first day of sixth grade and she's got her lunchbox all packed and ready and excited and all the kids glare at her because we're in middle school now. Nobody brings their lunch to middle school. And all those girls look at her and judge her for bringing her lunch. That's condemnation. Or... Condemnation is what happens when someone is held to a standard that they didn't subscribe to. Now, we as the church, we're very, it's, we, we can be guilty of this. Well, I can't believe that that person does that. That person does not claim to bear the name of Jesus in their life. You do, and you're trying to hold them to a standard that they have not yet come to agree with. Condemnation is when you judge someone for something and, and that we believe we know their deserved outcome. Jesus showed us that even if we don't agree, that we do not have to condemn. So one of the most well-known and most memorized scriptures and one of the first ones we teach our kids, right, is John 3.16, Right? Even people that don't believe John 3.16, a lot of them know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's a great verse. That verse comes when Jesus is having a conversation with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And he, and he goes to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him at night because he really doesn't want anybody to know that this conversation's going on. He wants to ask these questions, but doesn't want people to know he's asking questions. And, and I love John 3.16. It's a great verse. But I think we stopped too early. Because the following verse, John 3.17, Jesus says, For I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And this is just as much good news of the gospel as John 3.16 is. You see, Jesus, even Jesus, is not in the condemnation business. 
we should not be in the condemnation business. We should also not be in the conviction business. Now, don't lose me. Listen. Because conviction is the job of the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture told us. It said, I'm sending this helper. I'm, hin- I'm sending the Spirit to convict the world of sin. So, so it's not my job to convict the world of sin. It's not my job as the pastor to convict and or condemn you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's a job too big for me. But conviction is the job of the Holy Spirit. In the Church of the Nazarene, we have 16 articles of faith. Essentially, they're just 16 major things that we believe theologically about God. Well, article number three is, is about the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm just going to read that. It's very brief compared to what we read on sanctification a couple weeks ago. But it's just one little paragraph. And it says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, the Trinity, that he is ever present and efficiently active in and with the church of Christ, convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, sanctifying believers, and guiding into all truth as it is in Jesus. So conviction, we, we believe that Scripture is telling us that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And our denomination said conviction and convincing the world of sin, that is the job of the Holy Spirit, not the job of the church. Now I want you to think of this a little differently, maybe than you ever have. I'm here to say this morning, I believe conviction is a gift. Kids, when you get in trouble, what's your biggest fear? What are you scared of? You're scared of mom? Okay. Are you, what, yeah, Taylor? You're scared of all, okay. Wait. I, Hannah, what do, you, what do you think of when you, as you're getting in trouble? What are you scared of? Spankings, Spankings okay. <laughs> Violet? Yeah, yeah, you, you feel... Okay, so what do, we, what do we fear as kids when we get caught? It's not really that we feel bad about what we did. We're just scared of the consequence of what we did. <laughs> And a lot of times we're just thinking, all right, let's just get this over with, right? Uh, if you're anything like me, so when I was real young, before my dad got called to ministry, uh, my dad was a traveling salesman for a steel company. We lived up in Pennsylvania. And so my dad would be gone pretty much all week. He'd come home for the weekends and then he'd go back. Well, my mom and her gentle, sweet, loving spirit, nothing she could do to me bothered me as a child. Absolutely nothing. And it just infuriated her. But it didn't make one thing worse for me because I knew that whenever dad got home, it was coming. But if it was Tuesday and I was in trouble, I had until Friday. I wouldn't worry about it until Friday. You see, so often I think we think of conviction as punishment. Conviction is not punishment. Punishment is Conviction is recognizing that you're wrong. And that's why I'm here to say that conviction is a gift. Because something powerful begins to happen when we see conviction as a gift. 
Some people will say that jail is the best thing that ever happened to them. Some of you in this room might say that. Some of you might have had these experiences of like, man, I made some really bad choices. The fact that you were convicted allowed you to recognize your guilt or your fault or whatever it might have been and allowed you to grow. This is the heart of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is a gift that allows us to grow. And it's not just something that always brings about an awful punishment. And and we need to realize, too, that the Holy Spirit is not some traffic cop, that it's the end of the month and they have to meet their quota. And so the Spirit is wandering, waiting for anybody to mess up, that they could just really lay it on them. And when we were at Men's Retreat a couple weeks ago... Uh, Pastor David Gallimore made this statement, and it stuck with me, and it is such a vital part of this message today. But there is room in the saved and sanctified life of the believer for conviction. I think a lot of times we, maybe, hopefully not falsely, but we kind of assume or we try to convince people to come to Jesus, and, and we give this, them this idea that conviction stops once you accept Christ. Or the conviction stops once you're full of the Holy Spirit. Conviction keeps us on the track. Conviction becomes the gift that allows us to stay on this God. You see, we, real, we have to realize that, as I said, conviction is not just getting caught doing something wrong. But we sense conviction when we ignore what the Spirit is leading us to do. It guides us and it leads us as we move. And since we believe in free will, we have to listen to the conviction of the Spirit because we can easily forget that we've surrendered our will to the will of God. See, if we didn't believe in free will, then conviction would be this force that makes us come back. But that's not what we believe. But we believe that in in conviction, the Spirit impresses upon us and says, Hey, you're headed in the wrong direction. Hey, you've been doing the wrong thing for a while. Sometimes conviction is telling us to stop doing something, but a lot of times conviction is telling us to start doing something. Because if you're anything like me, if there's nothing on the schedule and you have a default time of, of, of nothing going on, the couch looks really good. And, you know, it's just kind of like, well, there's nothing else on the schedule, so here we go. And don't get me wrong, it's good to rest and relax and, and all that. But if that's the only thing that we're doing when we're not on the clock at work, we're not really leaving room for conviction in our life. We're not not listening to say, what could the Spirit be calling me to get off the couch and go do? Because I think so often we think, oh, we're not doing bad things, so we shouldn't be convicted. That is not the truth. Conviction is the way in which sin has lost its authority over us. This is big. Sin is real. Sin is prevalent in the world. But sin is not the authority in your life if Jesus is Lord. As the people of God, we've got to stop acting as if sin still has some authority. We sang the words this morning, Death has lost its grip on me. 
Sin has lost its grip on me. We can't walk around as, as people in bondage. If we're living lives that are led and governed by the conviction of the Spirit, then we are living in freedom. The freedom of Christ that the Apostle Paul talks about over and over and over. And we also need to realize that conviction is not sin. Okay? When we are convicted, we have an opportunity to answer the leading of the Spirit. And if we purposefully know what the Spirit is leading us to do, and we say no, that is sin. Our response to conviction can be sinful, but just because you are convicted does not mean that you are some fully awful sinner. But it just means that the Spirit is speaking to you and saying, hey, check this out. Hey, this could go very badly. You you probably want to rethink this. I'm here with you. I'm guiding you. No matter how long you've walked with God, conviction has a role to play in your life. If you sense that your relationship with God has gotten stale, maybe you haven't sensed the presence of God in a while. Maybe you feel like God is much further away than God used to be. Well, today, conviction can point us to that thing that has tried to wedge itself between us and God. And the last, last point I want to make here is that, is that we need to be praying for conviction. I think we do a good job praying that God would convict other people. God, if you would just convict so-and-so of their sin so that they could come to know you, God, that would just be awesome. Which might be true. But I think at the same time, God is looking at us and saying, hey, I'm trying to convict you of this and this and this, and you're too busy looking at everybody else. I've been trying to get you off the couch for three years. I've been trying to get you to quit doing this for four years, and I've been trying to get you to talk to that person at work for the last ten years, but you just walk past them every single day. And so as believers, we've got to pray for conviction. We have to pray that we would be open and mindful to the leading of the Spirit in our lives that would guide us to what is right. I don't know if you know this, but uh, this this book right here, the Bible, it wasn't written last week. And it wasn't, you know, written around the time of your grandparents or your great-grandparents. It's been around... For 2,000 years. And so sometimes we face things in life, decisions that have to be made, and we're like, I don't, I don't see in Scripture where the disciples had to decide on a cell phone plan. I, I, I don't see in Scripture where the disciples had to decide on this or that or It doesn't talk about what they did here or there. There are things going on in our world that you might look at for Scripture and say, I can't find like a direct answer. Scripture can guide you, but we need to be praying for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And as a church, us, corporately, we need to be praying for the conviction of the Holy Spirit on us. 
as, as we are individuals, but we are also a corporate body. That if there's something going on in our church that shouldn't be, that God would just convict us and, and we would run from it. Not the conviction, but run from whatever we're doing wrong. And, and if, if, if we are not doing something that we should totally be doing and God is calling us to participating in it with God, that we wouldn't hesitate, but we would just say, yes, that's where we need to be. I think if we're not a church that's praying for the Spirit to convict us, that we're just going to stay in the same spot for a really, really long time. And in the Bible I read, it says that God is making all things new. That God is transforming us. God is transforming creation. God is adding us to partner with God in making all things new. And so to do that, we need the conviction of the Spirit as things begin to become new and to change, and to grow, and to develop. The word will always be true. The word will always be necessary. But boy, we need conviction of the Spirit. And it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, sanctified, if, if your great-great-grandparents passed it all down to you. We need the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Pastor Cassie's going to come, and, and we're going to close with the song, and I want to ask you this morning, you know, I, like I said last week, it's real easy to say, this week I want you to go home and do this or pray about this. But so often we get down the road and we forget. So we're going to take a few minutes to do it right now. Right now, before you even have a chance to leave. I want you to pray that the Spirit would convict you. And remember, conviction is not sin. You're not asking God to make you feel guilty. You're asking God, Lord, there's something different between who I am and who you're calling me to be. Point out the difference. Convict me today. And for our church, there's a difference between the church that we are today and the church that God is calling us to be. And as your pastor, I wish I could just tell you easily what that difference is. But I can't. But as a body, if we are praying that God would convict us as a church, I believe that God will show us where we need to grow, where we need to change, what we need to do, how we need to be. So I invite you just for these next few minutes as, as Pastor Cassie sings, pray that the Spirit would convict you, convict our church, and speak to in a clear and true way this morning.